You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Chris and Nick Show here on Big Blue View Radio. I am one of the hosts, Nick Villato, joined, as always, by Chris Flum, and we are here to go through the Giants' upcoming game, the 6-2 New York Giants, against those 1-6-1 Houston Texans at home, coming out of the bye week with the Houston Texans getting kind of a bye week because they played the Philadelphia Eagles in a game that was surprisingly competitive last Thursday on Thursday Night Football. Chris, how you doing, friend? You know, I'm doing pretty well. It, it's almost a little bit weird to be talking about the Giants again. It's great to be talking about the Giants bye week. It was refreshing. We regrouped. Now it's time to start the second half of the season. As we went over on the previous podcast, obviously, Xavier McKinney and that hand injury, it's very, very unfortunate that the Giants had to deal with that and that Xavier McKinney had to deal with that. But we have other injury news heading into this Houston game. Yeah, with the exception of Xavier McKinney, you know, getting hurt over the bye week, both of these teams are actually getting healthier, which is you know, the kind of thing you you're you want to see coming out of a bye week, or in the Texans' case, the mini bye week. The Giants have had Cordell Flott, O'Shane Zimenez, and Kenny Galladay all practice on on a limited basis. Richie James returned to practice after his concussion this week, and then on the Texans' side of the ball, they're getting defensive tackle Malik Collins and their two best wide receivers, Nico Collins and Brandon Cooks, back as well. Yeah, and Brandon Cooks is a player who he was not injured, but it seemed like he had to take a sabbatical from the team because after the trade deadline, he went on and he tweeted, quote, don't take a man's kindness for granted. Covered for the lies for far too long. Those days are done. Cross the line with playing with my career. And then he did the arrow emoji. And I guess that rubbed the Texans brass the wrong way. I'm not 100% certain what's going on in their building. Brandon Cooks just signed an extension, I believe, this offseason. But it seems like he didn't want to be there any longer. And then he did not dress last game. But it looks like he's trending towards playing, which is unfortunate for the Giants because Brandon Cooks is a very good playmaker. And we'll get into that when we go over the Texans offense. But Chris, I think these three possible returns for the New York Giants, Kenny Galladay, O'Shane Zimenez, and even Cordell Flop to a lesser extent could really improve this Giants offense. Look, Kenny Galladay, he's not going to live up to the 72 million dollar contract. O'Shane Zimenez with the defense, obviously, but he's not going to live up to the $72 million contract. But if you can just get him in there to win some 50-50 balls, have him block his ass off and be a somewhat productive wide receiver, that's going to at least help this Giants offense and hopefully help this passing attack that is not explosive and needs to, I would say, develop a more consistent approach in terms of true pass sets and passing in those types of situations. Yeah, I think right now what I'm really looking for from Kenny Galladay is not for him to live up to to his contract. That it would be great to see, but I think that ship has kind of sailed at this point. I'm not sure it's possible for him to live up to the contract he signed. 
But for him to occupy the defense, use that big body of his to influence coverage shells, force the coverage to the coverage players to respect him down the field, create create space for the guys like Wandale Robinson to work underneath and then use that big body to block when other guys have the ball in their hands. That I think is really what I am looking for from him. Now, if he can produce down the field, if he can make big catches, big catches on third down, uh, win those 50, 50 balls, which hopefully you're not going to see too many 50, 50 balls. Cause that means the giants are throwing into coverage, but that that is going to have to happen eventually. Hopefully he would be in position to win those. That's what we hope. But I also think he would be solid, maybe adequate on the slant routes and those glance routes coming off of the RPO, whether that's from the backside of a three by one set or what have you. I think all he has to do is win inside on his release and he presents a big target. It's just Daniel Jones has to hit him in stride. It doesn't seem like in the limited amount of opportunities that those two have had in the RPO game that they've really connected. But one would imagine at least that Kenny Galladay has that type of ability just because he has such a big frame and all he has to do is win inside and present that large catch radius for Daniel Jones, who recently with Darius Slayton has really been cooking on those RPO quick hitters, which the Giants really run a lot in the beginning of a lot of these past few games. Yeah, and that really kind of always has been Daniel Jones's game, even you know dating back to college. That's when he's been at his best, you know, when he's not having to process a full field, not having to go through you know five man read progressions, come back to his one or two one or two wait for those guys to work open on deep double moves, just get, get the snap, read one or two defenders make a decision distribute the ball and just operate as crisply as possible and then in terms of O'Shane Zimenez I think just as a rotational piece it's important to get him back he's had some really big plays throughout this season so far and I also think Wink Martindale trusts him in the Sam role more than he trusts say a Jihad Ward and if O'Shane Zimenez plays the Sam over the tight ends to the strength Maybe that will allow Kayvon Thibodeau to go on the weak side and then possibly have a more advantageous rushing path if, say, the Texans come out in 12, 13 personnel and overload their front. It's just one of those things where Wink Martindale loves to drop his Sam into coverage. And we've seen Kayvon Thibodeau, you know, six, seven times a game drop into coverage. We've seen O'Shane Zimenez do that. We're not really seeing Jihad Ward do that from the end man on the line of scrimmage position. We only really see him do that when he's like sugaring the A gap on a third and long situation and he drops into a middle hook. So I just think getting O'Shane Zimenez back might allow the Giants defense to be a little bit more flexible with where they align their edge rushers. Yeah, and to be fair, you really don't want to see Jihad Ward dropping into coverage <laughs> on much of anybody unless it's like the Pro Bowl. And at that point, they're just having fun and lining a offensive tackle up as a wide receiver. So you play a, a defensive end at cornerback or something weird like that. Getting O'Shane Zimnez back definitely helps the Giants' depth. It helps their rotation. And I'm also really looking to see how much Ellerson Smith plays. He only got seven snaps before the bye week in what I believe was his first game back. So you have him getting another week back, another week of practice under his belt. We could see a much more active edge rotation with Ellerson Smith and O'Shane Zimenez, which is good with Aziz Ojolari coming back from injury. 
And it's also interesting, too, because you have Tom and Fox playing a specific role. He plays a lot on those early downs and does a really good job kind of as that end man on the line of scrimmage taking on pulling blocks. Very, very physical to Mon Fox. So the overall state of the edge room is is pretty solid right now. It'll be a lot better if Aziz Ojolari was healthy. But, Chris, let's transition into the Texans offense. And I think if we had to name the Texans offense anything, it would just be the Damian Pierce show because this guy's workload has been incredible. And he's one of the most physical runners you'll ever see. I believe Wink Martindale called him the angriest runner in the league. He did pop up on the Wednesday injury report with injuries to his chest and his shoulder. I believe he's limited participant in practice. Just wanted to kind of throw that out there. But what are your overall opinions on this guy, Damian Pierce? You know, I am still amazed that he had as little work as he did back at the University of Florida. I (laughs) like Damian Pierce always jumped off the field to me watching him throughout the draft process. And I I really do love watching him run the ball because he is just fun. He isn't a real home run hitter. He doesn't have elite speed. He is a we'll say a very compact stout runner. He's like five foot nine, but two fifteen, maybe even almost up to two twenty on some days. He is just like that. The old Doug Martin muscle hamster type running back. He has, he runs with a pretty wide track, I think. So he's very difficult to bring down. He's got good vision, great contact balance, natural leverage. He's always the low man. And, Martindale is right. He runs, Damian Pierce runs pissed off at the world. He is looking to hit people. He wakes up and chooses violence. He definitely chooses violence. There's no doubt about it. Last week, he had 27 carries in that loss against Philadelphia for 139 yards, averaging 5.1 yards per carry. He has 678 yards on the season, three touchdowns for a 4.6 average. And it seems like recently they're just feeding this kid the football, and rightfully so. He's a 22-year-old battering ram who is running over individuals. And it's really fun to watch, but I really hope – He doesn't have that much success this week against a Giants run defense who was really, I would say, solid against Seattle, but really struggled the week prior against the Jacksonville Jags. So Damian Pierce, we're going to see a lot of him on Sunday at home for the New York Giants. Yeah, and I would say the the good news for the Giants is the Texans, at least from what I have seen, use a lot of zone concepts, uh, inside zone, outside zone, that sort of thing. And that is what the Giants have been better at defending on the ground. And that does fit Damian Pierce's skill set very well. He's a very decisive runner. He's got good vision. He's able to just plant his foot and go. And it re- they do also have a, a pretty good offensive line. I would say it's pretty underrated league-wide, which given the state of the rest of their roster, it, it's easy to see why people overlook certain areas of their team. But their offensive line is solid, and they're a pretty big reason for Damian Pierce's success. I mean, he's, I believe, sixth in the NFL in rushing yards right now and fourth among all running backs in rushing first downs. So he's capable of hitting home run. I believe he's got a 75-yard touchdown this year. But as far as just keeping the offense on schedule, keeping the chains moving, that really fits his game well, and they're leading into it. 
the left side of that offensive line is really impressive. Laramie Tunsil is a top five offensive tackle in the league. And then Kenyon Green, who they drafted in the first round out of Texas A&M, we talked about him in the offseason. He's a really talented run blocker, and he was really versatile at Texas A&M playing tackle, playing really every single position. And now he slides in as a left guard next to Laramie Tunsil. And some of the clips that I have seen of Kenyon Green, it's really impressive. And even guys like Titus Howard, who was – you know, it, it seemed like ostensibly was a reach in 2019 as a first round pick. He's been playing solid football. You have AJ Khan and then Scott Quisenberry. So overall, this is not a terrible offensive line to your point, Chris. But then you get the quarterback, Davis Mills. This is his second year. He was a third round pick last year in 2021. And he's not necessarily having the best season right now. Ten touchdowns, eight interceptions for 1,656 yards. I would say. Last year, he really seemed to have a connection with Brandon Cooks, but right now he's not necessarily connecting like he did in the previous season, and the offense just isn't nearly as explosive as it once was. Yeah, I think Davis Mills is kind of the linchpin for this offense, and I think also for the Giants' defensive strategy. He is... He, he strikes me as kind of the best backup quarterback in the NFL. He is a guy who looks the part of an NFL starter right up until he doesn't like when he is in rhythm within the structure of the offense, operating the quick game, uh, using the play action boot. And, you know, things are basically going according to plan. He is crisp. He is accurate. He gets the ball out on time. He's got a nice, quick, compact release. He has enough wheels to make, to extend plays and make a defense pay. If, you know, if they turn their back on him and forget about him. But then if you get pressure on him or if he's forced to play faster than he is comfortable, the wheels come off pretty quick. He does have a 300-yard game this season against the Raiders. Patrick Graham is coordinating that defense, and he has a several 200-yard games. And if you look actually to their explosive plays, while they're not winning football games, they are at least generating explosive plays. They are 13th in the league in explosive plays with, I believe, I want to say it's, I'm pulling it up right now, 33 explosive plays of 20 plus yard, whereas the Giants only have 17. So there's a really big disparity, but the Giants are also dead last behind the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Los Angeles Rams who have 21 explosive plays to their own right. So they can hit on a big play every now and again. It's just not necessarily a consistent offense. It's probably the better way to term it as of right now. And I got to say, man, Davis Mills, you're right. He looks to party six foot four, 225 pounds. But I think this guy would be like a Russell Wilson quarterback, like a five foot 11 if it wasn't for the neck, because the neck is like a good six inches, bro. <laughs> yeah, he does have the uh, Mike Lennon giraffe neck going on there. And you know, just to their their explosive play potential yeah some of that is Damian Pierce getting loose or just straight running guys over who aren't expecting him but also they've got Brandon Cooks they've got Philip Dorsett those guys are speedsters and they can either take short passes a good distance if not all the way to the end zone but they can also stretch the field vertically on those play action shots and also Chris Moore and Nico Collins, those guys are, they're easy to underestimate, but they have some ability as well. And you want to know one other thing too, that's 
kind of annoying just because it, you look at their tight end depth chart and they are finding ways to generate explosive plays from OJ Howard and Jordan Aikens. They used to have Pharaoh Brown. I don't believe he's on the team anymore, but they have this combination of tight ends. Jordan Aikens was with the Giants during training camp. OJ Howard, and then Brevin Jordan, who was hurt most of the season, but he is somebody who came out of the University of Miami, who is one of those guys who is a tight end, but he has more of a wide receiver build. And he's somebody else who might be getting more ingratiated back into the offense now that he has returned from injury. So that's another name that hasn't really done much recently who could come in and have an impact. I think the Texans are probably going to come out and, and use, you know, 12 personnel a solid amount. They like to use 21 personnel. They use that about 12% of the time. They use 13 personnel about 10% of the time, 12 personnel, about 15% of the time, and then 11 personnel, about half the time. Sometimes I even come out in 10 personnel with Nico Collins and Brandon Cooks there. We might see a little bit of that, which I think would play into the Giants' hand a little bit because the Giants like to use a lot of quarter as we talk about. But I think you're going to see some play-action passes if they get going with Damian Pierce, where this offense is going to try to leak O.J. Howard and Brevin Jordan now and, and, and create an explosive play basically through deception. So you're going to need these giant linebackers when they are in man coverage, which we know Wink Martindale likes to run, to really be on their... Uh, be on top of everything in terms of the play action passing attack and the tight end leak that OJ Howard, I feel like has had success everywhere he goes, man. He had success with Tampa. He had success back in Alabama with this play. And I think they ran it in week one where he scored two touchdowns and it kind of surprised everybody. Yeah. OJ Howard hasn't lived up to expectations, which yeah, you know, tight ends drafted that highly tend to not live up to expectations, but he is kind of, he is a sneaky tight end. Because he's got the size, he's got ability as a blocker. You, Even knowing he is athletic, you still don't expect him to be as athletic as he is out there. And on those leak plays, that that definitely makes him dangerous. You know, the, the Houston Texans are kind of a weird team to watch, at least on offense. Because you look at their record and you look at the, their gross stats you know the just the stats the box score stats from the game and you don't think they would be that good but they do have pieces on their roster you know they've got brandon cooks who had two 1000 yard seasons since being traded from the rams to the you know to the texans you know nico collins hasn't done much but he's he is a a player worth respecting. Uh, Philip Dorsett, again, he hasn't done much, but that's kind of the nature of their passing game. He's down their depth chart a little bit, but then you see him catch a wide receiver screen and pick up 20 yards off of it. And the, the Texans, I think, are an easy team to sleep on, but they're also a team you really shouldn't sleep on. They played the Eagles really hard last week. They were tied right through halftime, and the Eagles really only broke the game open in the second half of the third quarter and then into the fourth quarter. Exactly. So the Giants can't be sleeping on anybody, if we're going to be honest right now. Giants are a 6-2 and two team. You cannot fall asleep on teams like the Texans and Detroit, and I think it would be a disaster if the Giants lose one of these next two games at home as a 6-2 and two team, but it's something that could realistically happen. So I think this team is going to be very, very prepared under Brian Dable. But Chris, before we get to the defense, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors here at SB Nation. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. 
Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Alrighty, Chris. So we're going to get into the defense, but I kind of want to talk about the offense and the defense. I feel like this roster is a hodgepodge of a bunch of just veterans who have been around the league for quite a while. There's a lot of guys like that on the defensive side, but even on the offensive side, guys like Philip Dorsett, who we talked about, OJ Howard, who we discussed. A lot of these players have kind of bounced around the league, and I just feel like this roster is kind of unique in that way. But one player that kind of fits that bill, he was drafted by the Colts, and then he was with the Buffalo Bills for a really long time, and now he is the leading sack artist, pressure artist on this defense is Jerry Hughes, who I believe is 34 years old, but he is playing some damn good football right now. Yeah, he is. He's he's having re- really one of his better seasons. I believe he's got – he leads the Texans in both sacks with seven, and then I believe uh, quarterback hits where he is at uh, – uh, I'm sorry, he, yeah he, – He's at quarterback hits with seven as well and seven tackles for a loss. He is an effective player despite being 34 years old. He even has a pass defense and an interception on the season, which, you know, yeah, 34 year old defensive ends. You don't expect those guys to have too many interceptions. No, not all, not too much, man. And I think that's somebody that we have to circle and look at. Look, this defense is somewhat predictable. They run a lot of cover two. That's kind of their base coverage. That's what, Lovey Smith, their head coach, is known for. A lot of four down fronts, so you're going to see Jerry Hughes, Rasheem Green out there. Malik Collins is going to be back, which is a big upgrade to their interior, which has been somewhat weak this season. And then they also roll out there Kurt Heenish, who is a undrafted rookie. So you look at their defensive front and their, and their defensive philosophy, and you could say, well, we should be able to run the football. And that's one reason why I think a lot of teams have run the football down the throat of Houston is they rely on a lot in cover two, and that's going to present a favorable box and offenses are going to oblige and run the football. There's a correlation there as to the reason why the Texans defense is dead last in allowing rushing yards against them. And they're number one in running cover two, two high type of shells. Yeah, that as much as we talk about the of uh, the importance of an offensive line and it, which running backs are getting the best yards per carry and all that. What the defense does in the tackle box is incredibly important to the outcome of a running play. And if you can have the defense have a neutral, so seven man box or lighter, you know, six or five man box tackle box, you're going to pick up more yards than if they had an eight or nine man tackle box. That's just math. (laughs) It's, you know, it's just a, math. <laughs> that's just math. It is a hell of a lot easier to get one-on-one matchups or get an offensive lineman tight end working up to the second level to 
to open rushing lanes for your running back if they only have six or seven men to block as opposed to eight men to block where then you might be able to get an unblocked defender coming down to to clog up the rushing lane which obviously makes it harder to run the ball and lovey smith is a tampa two disciple he has always run cover two defenses tampa two defenses and he would much rather give up yards on the ground than explosive plays through the air he has always played those two deep shells that is really what he has always been known for going back to the chicago bears and even before that which begs the question though because we know that when lovey smith when he is getting gashed by the run he will adjust and he'll roll out cover three sometimes cover one and we know the giants like to run you know 12 personnel 13 personnel sometimes jumbo with nick gates or another offensive lineman and and i think if the giants do that which plausibly they will you're going to see more bodies in the box which is going to put i feel like pressure on the new york giants offensive passing attack to punish this team through the air and maybe create some explosive plays against a single high type of look with those one-on-one matchups on the outside. Yes. And that I think brings in kind of one of the players worth really watching. And that's Derek Stingley, the rookie cornerback who reportedly the giants were very interested in and were hoping he might fall to them at fifth overall in this, this past draft that reportedly they wanted either Stingley or sauce Gardner and got neither of them. I do wonder if coming out of this mini bye week, looking at the way the Giants have played football through the first eight games of the season, where they've had one of the more anemic passing attacks in the NFL, but have leaned heavily, very heavily on the run. If Lovey Smith might try flipping the script on this game and coming out in cover one or cover three and really leaning into his young press man coverage corner. And if they do that, Chris, I really feel like the Giants have an opportunity to use Saquon Barkley or Matt Breida out of the backfield and isolate him against Christian Harris, who was a rookie linebacker, third round pick out of Alabama, fantastic athlete, but is not in position where he needs to be all that often. Christian Kirksey, who is a veteran who has been around the league, one of those journeymen that we were talking about. But again, he can't keep up with man coverage with a player like Saquon Barkley on arrow routes and, and routes to the flat. I feel like that's a way where Maybe the Giants, if they catch the Texans running a lot of man coverage, they can really just matriculate the ball down the football field by using Saquon Barkley in the passing attack. Yeah, and I, I'm pretty sure we're also going to see Saquon Barkley running the Wildcat Yeah, like we've seen more and more over the last couple games. There's going to be read option plays. There's going to be design quarterback runs because you know Daniel Jones has had a week of off to kind of rest up, get a little bit healthier, you know, maybe let some of the bumps and bruises from the first half of the game or first half of the season fade. I'm really not sure what to expect from the Texans because they do play other teams. They play better teams very, very hard. And the games just kind of seem to get away from them. So I'm not sure if they're going to come out and be aggressive or if 
Lovey Smith is going to be classic Lovey Smith. He's going to call the defense that he knows that has worked so well for him, you know, really throughout his career as a coach. And that I think really will determine what the Giants do. Yeah, because we know Mike Kafka and Brian Dable, they love to adjust, and it's one of the things I appreciate about them so much. But some other names in their secondary, which I feel like are pretty good players, even though they've been on multiple teams, like Steven Nelson, he's back there. He's going to be their starting cornerback. I feel like he's an underrated player in the league. Jalen Petrie, he's the rookie second-round pick at a Baylor who was having a solid overall season by at least uh, by at least just from what I've seen. I know PFF wouldn't say that, but... I feel like him coming out of Baylor, he was, despite his smaller stature, a pretty good run defender who I'm sure we'll see in the box every now and again. And then Desmond King, who I believe won the Jim Thorpe Award when he was back at Iowa. I think that was in like 2018 or something along those lines. He's going to be their slot, more than likely covering Wandale Robinson. I feel like overall, man, it's not the best secondary by any means, but it's not as bad of a secondary as you would expect from a team that has one win. Also, they have the giant great Isaac Yidem backing up uh, Steven Nelson and Desmond King and Derek Stingley. Yeah, the Giants great. It's kind of interesting how many of former Giants players the Giants have come across already this season. And you said this when we were talking before we started recording. It's really interesting to look at the Texans roster and see some of these guys where you're going, it's like, oh, I forgot that guy was still even in the NFL, you know, like Jerry Hughes or Mario Addison, you know, 35-year-old Mario Addison out, out there. And then they've also got these really super young players like Derek Stingley and Jalen Petrie, Christian Harris, you know, starting and playing really big roles for their school squad and it really seems like the the texans are a team that they've got the pieces they just don't have that core that foundation to build on yet and kind of because of that they're a team that doesn't really know how to win a game yet they they get in position they play hard and then they just don't know how to close games out yet yeah, Nick Casario, their general manager, he's rehauling this roster with all the picks that he got from the Deshaun Watson trade. So I'm sure this team is going to look drastically different next season and the season after that. And I'm I'm a little intrigued to see how this rebuild is going to go. But Chris, do you have anything else, buddy? No, you know, I think we've about covered the Texans every way that we can. This is a game I'm going to be very interested to see how it goes. This, this is one the Giants really should win, but... Like I said before, I don't think we can sleep on the Texans. They've got enough pieces. They've got enough weapons that are capable of being explosive. Davis Mills is capable of being a good, or at least a quarterback you can win with. And I think they've got the potential to have an any given Sunday type win. So if if the Giants are undisciplined, if they screw up, if they beat themselves, like we saw yeah down the stretch against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then again, down the stretch against the Seattle Seahawks. This, this Houston Texans team, I think can surprise you. They shouldn't, but they could. 
Absolutely. So hopefully the Giants are dialed in, and I'm sure this coaching staff will have them really focused. But thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the Chris and Nick show here on Big Blue View Radio. Please like, subscribe, and comment on the podcast. That can go a long way for us. And head on over to BigBlueView.com where we have all of our written content. Thank you, everyone. Take care of each other and have a lovely day. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.